you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Well, good morning once again. If you will, take out your Bibles this morning and go to 1 Peter chapter 3, where we were reading from just a few moments ago. 1 Peter chapter 3, that is going to be uh, where we're going to end up landing um, for a little while today. Um, how many of you How many of you know what an influencer is? Raise your hand. Okay, so a few of you. An influencer is kind of a, a new, I'm not going to say it's a new word, okay, but it's taken on a new meaning, I guess, in, in the world of social media. Uh, influencers are people who have uh, the ability to do what? To influence you for, for different reasons and for different causes, uh, for different things. I looked at a couple of definitions that I uh, found for, for influencers. An influencer is someone who has the power to affect the purchasing direction of others because of his or her authority, knowledge, position, or relationship with her audience. And I thought I really didn't necessarily like that definition, but it kind of gives the idea, you know, an influencer is someone who, who, uh, who has the ability to influence. Okay, here's, here's the one that maybe is more, uh, more direct to what we're talking about. It is someone who has a following in a distinct niche with whom he or she actively engages. The size of the following depends on the size of his and her topic of that niche. So through, through all the different avenues of social media, through YouTube, through TikTok, through Facebook, through Twitter, there's all these different people that are trying to influence you for one reason or another. I did... A little web search, there's nothing real scientific in these lists other than this. Um, top five Instagram influencers for 2020. Here they are, okay? Cristiano Rolando, um, or Ronaldo, um, Selena Gomez, Kylie Jenner, Leo Mesa, Kendall Jenner, okay? So two out of the three of these people I've never heard before. So apparently their influencing is not really working that great. This is a list that's maybe more appropriate for my house. Top kid, kid, kid influencers. Top five of kid influencers for 2020. There's a big long list. And um, number one is probably one of the biggest ones at my house. It's this little kid named Ryan. He has a YouTube channel called Ryan's. Can you finish it? Kids, Ryan's what? Ryan's World started out as Ryan's Toy Review. This little kid has made millions of dollars playing with toys on YouTube. That's it. That's all he does. He plays with toys. People send him, companies send him their toys to play with so that other kids will want to play with them. And I promise you, it works. It works. Uh, some of these other kids that the kids might know, I, I don't recognize any of those names either, but I do know Ryan. Maybe this is more my speed. Uh, top Christian influencers from 2020. You see these names, you maybe recognize some of them. One of them, a former athlete, Max, uh, Tim Tebow, Max Licato, Stephen Furtick, um, Bethany Hamilton, uh, Leo Rose, and Francis Chan, a couple of those guys. I listen to and I, I watch things from them quite often. But here's the question that I want us to talk about this morning and for the next couple of weeks to follow. Do you want to be an influencer for Christ? Do you want to be an influencer for Christ? We definitely have a niche, don't we? We definitely have something that is important to us that we would love to share with other people. But one of the things that is uh, very obvious about Christian culture and, and, and kind of where we are a lot of times is as much as we may want to influence other people for Christ, 
We have difficulty doing it. Let's, let's change the word influencer for a minute and maybe insert a church word there that makes this maybe connect a little bit more. Evangelism. Isn't evangelism just uh, another word for influencer, or isn't influencer just maybe another word for someone who is evangelizing? That is our goal. That is what we are, uh, that is our purpose. We are to influence people with the message of God, this message of salvation, this message of hope, in 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 a hope that it will change their lives and push them into a salvation relationship, or lead them, rather, into a salvation relationship with Jesus. So what we're going to talk about over the next uh, two weeks after this is how do I up my influence? How do I become more engaged as someone that's willing to share the message of Christ, to influence people for Christ, to evangelize my friends and my family that might be around us? Now, as we think about this idea... As we think about this idea, there's some, maybe some, some spiritual truths that we need to understand about the culture that we live in and kind of set the stage. So I ask you to not make fun of my funny-looking graphics as we go through here, but I guarantee you, as strange as they may look at times, they'll connect with you and you won't forget them. Here's the first thing. People matter to God. People matter to God. For God so loved the world that he did what he sent his only son he sent his only son to die for them that no one might perish but have everlasting life second peter chapter 3 and verse 9 says that god is patient not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance so let me ask you this we're going to have a showing of hands this morning raise your hand if you believe that everybody is important to god now let me ask you this Raise your hand if everybody is important to you. That's the challenge, isn't it? That's the challenge of understanding people matter to God. And if people matter to God, then those same people should matter to me. But we do something sometimes. We do something sometimes. We say things like, say maybe we're talking about Brighton, and we go, you know what, I would share, I would share with Brighton, but Brighton's one of those guys that will never change. He'll never change, so I don't share. And so I go on and I move on to someone that I feel maybe is more worthy or maybe could be more accepted or accept the message of Christ maybe in a fuller way. But the thing is, if everybody is important to Christ, then everybody should be important to us, and we shouldn't overlook anybody. I think when we talk about being an influencer, when we talk about sharing the good news of Jesus, one of the very first hurdles that as Christians that we have to get over is feeling that some people are important enough to hear the word of God and some people are not. We, whether we want to admit it or not, I think that sometimes we have a heart problem that we feel some people are worthy and some people aren't. Some people matter and some people don't. But to God, everybody that you look at, everybody that you come across in your daily life, those people matter to the Father. And so they need to matter to us as well. But here's the next truth that I want you to, uh, to follow along with me. I love technology here because I've just skipped through all of my slides at one swap. There we go. There we go. People are spiritually lost. People are spiritually lost. The good news is, is God loves everyone, and so should we. But the bad news is, is there are going to be people that we come into contact in our life that are separated from Jesus because of their sin. 
because of their sin. And it's easy for us to look at some people and go, hey, they're a good person, they're living a good life, you know, I'm not going to worry about sharing with them. But if they do not have that salvation relationship with Jesus, if they've not become his child of the waters of baptism, then guess what they are? They are lost. And that should affect us. That should stop us. That should convict us to want to share this message with them. And we're going to talk about that message here in just a few minutes and why it's so important and how we can do some of that. But people being lost, I don't believe, I don't believe it convicts us like maybe it did people a few generations ago. I don't know. It just seems like the church as a whole has a kind of a lackadaisical approach to people who are lost. It doesn't bother us us as much as I believe it should. But the truth is, if someone does not have that salvation relationship with Jesus, they are lost. And we have an opportunity, a great opportunity, to try to help them solve that problem in their life. Well, here's the next idea that I want you to, if people are lost, then what do they need? People need Jesus. And that is the good news, that Jesus died on the cross for you. He died on the cross for me. He died on the cross for all these people that God loves that are not Christians. He loved them enough to send Jesus to die for them. And he creates an avenue. He creates a bridge, if you will, to get us from one side to the other. But the difficult thing about this idea is although we can sit here and talk about it and go, yeah, people need Jesus. People need Christ. The sad thing is, is the message that we have is becoming more and more unpopular every day. The message we have is becoming more and more unpopular every day. This is the message that Jesus preached. He said, I am the way. I am the way. And the truth and the life, no one comes through the Father except through me. When we live in a society that it's about your own truth, it's about whatever it takes to make you happy, it's about all these things about you, 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 and your way and your feelings and your emotions, when you then have a message that you're teaching to that society of, hey, there's only one way, there's one Savior, okay, that, that, that message is unpopular, but we have to, we have to share it anyway. Paul says this in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. He says that this message is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. It is the best thing that you could ever tell anybody. And we need to come back to that in our, in our lives. But now here is, here is maybe the most challenging thing in this process now. People have moved. People have moved. You go back in, in time 30 years from, from now, and you, you, you go back into a culture where... And maybe even a little bit further, but there was a time in our nation, there was a time in our nation that even though maybe little Sally's mom and dad didn't go to church, they still lived by a Christian code of conduct. They, they, they had Christian morals. There was kind of this Christian standard of living across our country. And like I said, they may not necessarily go to church. They may not be church people. But there was still this level of, of living, a standard of living that kind of stretched from one side of our nation to the other. And everybody kind of lived, that, lived in that life. And that's, that's not where we are now. Our culture, our society, every day is getting a little bit further away from Jesus. And, and it makes sharing the gospel a little more difficult. Because you see, 
as to where we used to have plans and processes and, and, and different classes and courses to teach us how to do evangelism, people aren't worried and concerned about right answers anymore. They're worried about authentic living. And if you say that you're a Christian, but you don't live like a Christian, you know, that's going to turn them off. You're never going to have the opportunity to even share the story of Jesus with them because they're looking for authentic living in your life. you saying, I am this, and so I live this way. And if you don't do that, it's hard to pull them into those conversations because they have moved further away from Jesus. And not just that, people need answers. Not only have they moved further away from Jesus, but they've put up roadblocks. They've put up walls between you and them and you and Jesus so that they don't have to worry about it. They do good things and it makes them feel good about themselves, so they're not worried about this salvation thing. And so that kind of sets the stage for why we need to be who we are. That sets the stage for the mission that we have. We have a mission to reach people. We have a mission to share the Word of God. We have a mission to influence other people for Jesus. Now, if you go to Second or First Peter chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3, our text, the whole book of 1 Peter is about this idea that these Christians that are reading this letter from Peter are Christians who are living in a society that could care less about their message. They're going to be persecuted before too long. As, as Peter is writing this, he's looking on the horizon and he's seeing a great persecution coming at the church. It's coming in their direction. And his whole book is about, hey, look, don't give up. Okay? Don't give up. Don't be afraid. Hang in there. These are some things that you can do. And that's what I want us to talk about from this text today is as I'm thinking about being an influencer for Christ, what are some things that I can do to, to greater expand my influence? How can I live my life in a more productive way? So let's, let's talk about some things together. The first thing I want you to think about is we need to demonstrate our faith. We need to demonstrate our faith. So here's our text this morning. He starts out, he says, who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? So that's the first step in this idea of demonstrating our faith, that in our lives, our lives need to inherently just be good lives. We need to be good people. Have you ever seen someone who claims to be a Christian, but you know when they walk out this door, they're hateful people? That when they walk out this door, they're not friendly, they're cold, they're judgmental, they're, I mean, they're, they're aggravated top people, they're just, they're not good people. He says, look, in your life, in your influence, the first thing that you've got to be, maybe this is where you start, maybe this is the, the, the first hurdle you've got to get over in your own life, is you need to be good. And not just be good, you need to be eager to do good. You, you need to, to strive for that. You need to look for opportunities. You need to be excited about moments in your life that you can do good things and be good to other people. So our influence, our demonstrating our faith starts out very simply by just being good people. And I know that that sounds simple. I know that that sounds like kind of a, well, yeah, that's obvious. But the sad thing is, is there are people in our faith, there are people who call themselves Christians who at their core, they're just not good people. And that hinders your influence if you're that way. But he also says part of the reason you do this is because 
if people are wanting to harm you, if they want to, to, to treat you bad, if you're just good, most of the time, most of the time, if you're a good person, negative people are going to kind of leave you alone. If, if, if they see that they're not going to be able to tear you down, then they're going to move on to someone else who they can tear down. And so he says, be eager to do good. But then he goes on and he says, but even if you should suffer, okay, so it's not going to work with everybody, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. He said, so do be eager to do good, but, if, but even if you do face challenging times, he said, understand you're blessed for that. You're blessed for that because to overcome that, you've really got to lean into God. You've got to deepen that relationship. James chapter 1, you know, we've just got through with the book of James. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. You know that the testing of your faith, those challenges, they help you grow. They help you draw closer to God. Jesus says it this way in Matthew chapter 5. He says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven for theirs is the kingdom of heaven but then he goes on and he gets a little more he gets a little more to the heart of the matter he says but in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord now what I've seen many people do so many times is they set apart in their hearts Christ as their Savior Jesus has saved me Jesus is keeping me from hell. Jesus is helping me be a good person. He is my Savior, but He's not necessarily my Lord. Now, in Scripture, there's not a difference in those two. If He's your Savior, if He's your, if he's your Savior, He's your Lord. And if He's your Lord, He's your Savior. There's no disconnect. But we disconnect those two. I like Jesus as my Savior, but I don't always like Him as my Lord because that means 100% commitment. That means giving him everything. That means turning it all over. That means looking at my life through his filter, not through my own. What benefits my Lord better than what benefits me? What benefits the kingdom better than what benefits myself? And we really enjoy what benefits ourselves, don't we? We really like personal satisfaction. We really like people liking us and, and, and praising us when it really should be about them liking God and praising God and us giving him the credit. So maybe, maybe for you, maybe it's not just about being good. Maybe that next step for you today is really saying, God, I, I want to give you 100%. I want to make you Lord. You are my Savior, and I'm grateful for that. But I don't want to separate those two anymore. I don't want to be grateful just because you keep me out of hell. I want this salvation relationship to be all about you, and, I, and, 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 and I'm turning it all over. I'm giving you my life. I'm giving you my finances. I'm giving you my relationships. I'm giving it all to you. It's all about you from now on. You see, when we live that life, we have this authentic, authentic Christianity. Evangelism, along these lines, I feel like maybe in the past, we've treated evangelism and our influence as something we do. And, and I was having a conversation with someone after the first service, and it was, it was, it was very interesting. It was... Uh, Miss Vicki Dean, and we were talking about this very idea, and she said, you know, she said, I feel like, as I've grown older in my faith, she said, I feel like sometimes 
we were trained not to save people, but to trick people. To trick people to believe what we believe, instead of truly convincing them to believe in Jesus. And we, we, we have classes, we have seminars, we have gospel meetings trying to teach us what we, what we need to do to evangelize. See, I think when we look at it from a scriptural point of view, evangelism is not something we do. Evangelism is something that we are. It is our influence. Evangelism is what spills out as you bump into people throughout the day. As you have conversation with people, they can't help but notice that, hey, you're eager to do good. You're not afraid of things of this world, and Jesus is your Lord. It doesn't matter what conversation you're in. They feel the Holy Spirit being part of that conversation. You're evangelistic just in your smile and just in your approach. And, and as he's going to say here in a few minutes, we're going to talk about it more. They see that hope about you in your life that's different than ever else. What we're trying to do, what we're trying to accomplish is not a process. It's a lifestyle. Influencing other people for Jesus. We have to be willing to do that, and we start that. We start that by just demonstrating a life devoted to Christ. Okay, so let's keep going. The next thing I want you to think about here is that we have to defend our faith. Okay, not in a negative way here. I don't want you to think that we're talking about debates and we're not talking about having all the right answers. We're talking about, I'm just, we're using D's here today. Catch on to that here in just a moment. But we're talking about being ready to give an answer for these things. Let's go on and see what he says here. He says, always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. All right. So what's he, what's he talking about here? What's he trying to get the point across? So he says, first and foremost, if you live your life a certain way, if you live your life in a way that is good, you live your life that you're not afraid of, you're not afraid of society and push back from sharing your faith, you, you, you really live your life in this authentic relationship with Jesus that he is truly your Lord and your Savior and everything you have you give to him. If you're living that life, someone's going to come up to you one day and go, Alex, what's wrong with you, man? You have this life about you that is so positive, that is so just no matter what goes on, you're in a good mood, nothing gets you down. What's, what's different about you? And he says, in that moment, be ready. Be ready to share the hope that you have in Christ. You see, sharing your hope is not about doctrine Sharing your hope is not always about book, chapter, verse, although there is a place for those things. And in the process of evangelism, those questions are going to be asked, and you're going to need to have a response to those. But on the very front end of this influence, we're talking about just living it every day. One of the greatest things that you can share with other people is simply what God has done for you. What God has done for you. Why is, what is this hope that you have and how does that work for you? What is your relationship with Jesus? How does it benefit you? And as you talk to people, those are the conversations in today's world, in today's culture. Now, like I said, you back up 40 years ago from now, and it was different. It was. 
But like I said, people have moved. People have changed. Your first conversation with people is not going to be, well, why do you not have instrumental music? And we do. You know, when we talked about evangelism 40 years ago, that was something we talked about, right? Why do you take communion every week? You had these answers to these questions. That's not the questions that people are asking today. They want to know why you're in a good mood all the time. Well, what has this relationship with Jesus, how has it affected your life? I mean, if you're going to live it, if you're, if you're following it, well, why, why has it worked for you, and why do I need to give in to it? Why do I need to follow him? Those are the initial conversations. That's where your influence is going to start and lead. And he says, hey, be ready to give an answer for those things, because you have this great hope in Christ, and you have this great message, and you need to share it on a very personal level. You need to defend it. And then finally, you do that in a disarming way. You do that in a disarming way. The next idea he talks about in our passage here, he goes on and he says, but do this, read these words with me, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. We're not trying to win debates, okay? We're trying to save souls. We're not trying to win debates. We're trying to save souls. That's what this whole book is about. It is a book and a story from start to beginning or from start to finish about salvation. And what people don't want you to do is to come up and start talking to them about what's wrong with them, what their problems are, and, and why you have all the answers. That doesn't reach anybody, does it? You see, in today's world, in today's society, people, they, they want to know that you care in a very genuine way and that you're not there to judge because here's the thing. We've all got problems. We've all got problems. No one has put it any better in the last 24 hours than Vicki Page. Vicki Page, and I don't know if I'm going to quote this exactly right, but she posted something on Facebook last night that is so true, and it said, everyone has family secrets until kids start talking about prayer requests in Sunday school. And when that happens, it's days of our lives. Is that even still a show? Like, does that still come on? Okay. How do you know? <laughs> don't worry about it. We, we, we've, all, we've all got challenges, don't we? None of our lives are perfect. So we should never sit in the judgment seat and say, I've got it all together. My life's perfect. And let me tell you how to fix yours. Mm -mm. But we do have the ability through love, through meekness, through gentleness and respect to say, hey, my life's a challenge. And the only way that I get through it is with this hope in Jesus Christ. And if you'll let me, I'll share that hope with you so that maybe you can find that same peace that I have found. That maybe you can find that same willingness and power and strength to overcome that I have found. That maybe you can find that salvation and relationship with Jesus that I have found. Not, not by throwing your Bible at them but by opening its pages and letting the Word of God wrap them in love and showing them that their life can be more, their life can be greater, and that there is love and acceptance through Christ 
when you make him Lord of your life. What does your influence look like? That's what I want you to think about this morning. Right here, right now, in this moment, what is the level of your influence in your life that you're living today? When you go to work tomorrow, are you reaching others? Are people seeing you live this life? Maybe let's put it this way. I want you to think, and maybe you write this down. Maybe you've got, if you're taking notes, maybe you write this down. On a scale of 1 to 10, what is your level of influence for Christ right now in this moment? And what will it take for you to increase that level by one number? To go from a 6 to a 7, to go from a 3 to a 4, to go from a 7 to an 8. One number. What is it going to take for you to increase your level of influence? One number today. Because that's what God wants. God doesn't want you to hear his word and then walk out and forget it. God wants you to hear his word, allow his spirit to convict you, and then find change happening in your life. And that's our goal for the next couple of weeks, to change our hearts so that we change our influence. What needs to change in your heart and in your life to influence others for Christ Christ in a more powerful way? That's what we're concerned with today. Hey, as we close, let's go to God in prayer. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for this moment to be together and to share um, thoughts from your word. We thank you for your spirit who has guided us this morning in this lesson. And we pray that we allow your spirit to come into our hearts and to convict us, God, to, to change things that help us become more influential to those around us every day. We all come into contact with so many people, God. The mission field is, is right in our back door. It's in our office spaces. It's in our classrooms. It's, it's in our gyms, God. They're right there. And help us to be willing to just share a little bit of your love in every one of those situations, in every one of those contacts, in every one of those encounters, God, so that hopefully we can bring those people one step closer to you. Strengthen us as a church. Encourage us, God. Help us to lean into you and to find our answers in you. Help us to understand the power of the hope that comes from our relationship with you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for its community.